Well, praise the Lord. It's a good day, right? Despite anything that's happening anywhere that's confusing and hard to understand, uh, the Lord still reigns. And so we're going to take a look into his word today. And I've always felt like God's word is pretty good at explaining itself. So I'm going to let his word explain a lot of it this morning. And uh, I'll do a little bit of that, but uh, mostly it'll be his word. So we're going to go through quite a few scriptures. You don't have to look them all up. I think we've got them up uh, on the screen, possibly. So uh, we will uh, get started. And I chose my title from a book by Francis Schaeffer. Has anybody ever heard of him? He's a Christian theologian and philosopher. And uh, uh, the title of my message is, How Then, How Should We Then Live? Okay, so you know, things are changing, and I guess the question is, so what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? Maybe your guy got elected president, maybe he didn't. Maybe things are not the way you think they should, or maybe they are. But the question is, so what do we do about it? And uh, the title of his book was, How Should We Then Live? And uh, what the subtitle was, The Rise and Decline of Western Thought and Culture. And as he studied uh, different civilizations and things that uh, went on, and he saw them rise and he saw them go down, uh, he saw a pattern in that. And so he was seeing a pattern. This was written in 1976. He saw a pattern in the United States. Anybody know what that might be? Maybe sort of a decline in Christianity, right? Um, You know... uh, as the uh, pervasive religion. When I was a a kid in school, I remember first grade, you know, we all went in there and we we said, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the Republic, you know, one nation under God, indivisible. And we did that every day, you know, and that was was fine to do that in class and and you could pray or you could have a Bible. And, and, uh, you know, things have changed so much. And, you know, frankly, the world and, and... the United States is not really so friendly to Christians and the Christian message. Not to say there's not a lot of Christians out there, but the general um, media and things like this are not so much. And this is what he was noticing. And uh, he said uh, he said he analyzed the reasons for modern society's state of affairs, which is basically the U.S. is moving away from a Christian nation and He presented the only viable alternative that he saw is living by the Christian ethic, acceptance of God's revelation, and the total affirmation of the Bible's morals, values, and meaning. Basically, he's saying, how should we then live? Live by the word of God. That's how we do it. You know, that's that's our standard. That's what we live by. And uh, Psalm 145.13 uh, I think he made a good choice because uh, this says um, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Is that a good choice? Yeah. Amen. To follow to follow that kingdom instead of the kingdom of this world and the things that are going on and have your hope be in that because we're following an eternal kingdom, one that will last forever. So I think he made a really good decision there. So 
But let's go back a little further. What did Jesus say about how we should live in the world? And we know there are two different things. There's the kingdom of this world, and then there's what? The kingdom of God, right? So there's there's two different kingdoms. And uh, in John 18, 36, uh, Jesus gives, gives us a clue as to uh, what his thoughts are on this. And in fact, he said that to Pilate, and uh, I think it's interesting that he would uh, let Pilate in on this. I'm not sure Pilate uh, took the bait, but uh, he said uh, to Pilate, said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. So in other words, I'm not on the same plane that you are. I'm not playing in the same game that you are. My kingdom that I serve is from another place. And if it wasn't, if it was of this world, my servants would be fighting. And uh, and guess who fought? Anybody know? One of his, of his disciples, Peter, okay? So we're going to go to John 18.10. And uh, this is when Jesus was being arrested said, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, surprising, <laughs> uh, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. And Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? You know, Peter was still thinking that we're going to protect this kingdom by fighting, right? I mean, we're going to defend ourselves, by golly you know, from these Jews that are coming to get you, you know, and, and earlier, in fact, you remember who was the one that said, oh, you shouldn't go to the cross. Remember that? Who was that? It was Peter. And what did Jesus say to him? <laughs> he said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you're thinking about the things of men and not about the things of God. In other words, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not the same. Otherwise, we'd be fighting. You know, but, he, but Peter started to fight, and he said, no, you're taking this wrong. You're looking at my kingdom as something of this world that you're going to physically fight for, kill people, whatever, for my kingdom. He said, he said, this cup that I have to drink is part of God's will. So, so don't fight against it. You know, he, Peter said, no, you shouldn't go to the cross. And he said, get behind me, Satan. This is part of God's will. When you're in the kingdom of God, sometimes the things that come your way that you need to do are not necessarily the world's way and not things that even seem to make sense because his kingdom is not of this world. So Peter kind of got it wrong quite a few times. <laughs> but uh, thank the Lord, you know, he helped Peter. He said, I prayed for you, you know, that you're not going to, fall and, and eventually uh, really he uh, founded the church on the revelation that Peter had that Jesus was, was the son of God and uh, so there's hope still <laughs> uh, there's hope for us and uh, God's ways uh, are just different than our ways in fact he says my ways are my thoughts are not your thoughts he said my ways are higher than your ways as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. So what we're looking at today is so what are God's ways? In other words, 
How then should we live in this world where things are not the way that we think that they ought to be? Things maybe are not going like we think they should. Um, Jesus sent out his 12 disciples into the world, didn't he? He said, you're going out there into the world and there's wolves out there. And what do wolves do? Well, they like to eat you up and chew you up and destroy you. And he said, I'm sending you out into the world. So therefore, I'm going to put on a shield and a coat of armor. And I mean, we're going to dress you up and give you some machine guns and uh, get you ready to go, boy. You know? And <laughs> that was uh, that's what Saul was trying to do with David, wasn't it? You know, he said, we're going to get you ready to fight that enemy. And, uh, you know, for some reason, the, the armor just didn't fit. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. That armor just didn't work for him. He said, this, no, this is, we've got to get rid of this, you know. And he said, you know, basically, God's going to fight the battle. And, uh, you know, God's, you know, this, this man is coming against the Lord of hosts. And so uh, he's going to get taken care of by the Lord of hosts. That's the way it's going to work. And... Uh, so look in Matthew ten sixteen. So what did Jesus say? He said, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. A sheep is not like a fighting man, you know, like we think of a fighting man, you know, in the world's sense. That's a sheep. They're, they're kind of harmless. You could probably just sort of kick one and knock it over, you know. You know, and they're kind of dumb. And I mean, you know, no offense, but... You know they they tend to they tend to follow um, you know each other and you know off cliffs and things. No, that's lemmings that do that. They go off the cliffs, but you know sheep are are followers, and so they uh, tend to just kind of follow wherever they're led. He said, "But I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves." In other words, you're bait. You know, uh, you're bait. Therefore, he said, "Be shrewd." Or wise, is another way of putting it, as snakes, and innocent or harmless as doves. Man, is that a way to go against wolves? To be innocent and harmless? And, but he did say to be wise, didn't he? So, in other words, there is a way that he wants us to live in this world, to be wise in this world, but yet at the same time, he wants us to be innocent and harmless. Those kind of seem to be maybe contradictory sometimes. Um, but let's look at them individually. So this is kind of the basic text that I'm looking at is that we're sent out as sheep into the wolves, but he wants us to be wise as serpents. In other words, wise in God's ways, but harmless also in the world's ways. Okay, so... Uh, Let's look at Romans 20, 12, 21. And what does this say? This is kind of different, isn't it? Different from the world's way. It says, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So is, is that kind of a clue as to how he wants us to live? In other words, do you, do you fight fire with fire? A fireman will tell you you fight fire with water. <laughs> right? And so, you know, if we're going to go out and fight the wolves, 
We don't fight fire with fire. We fight fire with water, right? Because, wow, because water just puts out the fire. You know, it's just the same as uh, light puts out the darkness, doesn't it? Flip on the light, the darkness flees. So this is a principle of God that he's showing us how to be wise into in the world. And he says, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's interesting. I haven't heard anyone, um, you know, in the world system of things actually say that, right? Because it doesn't make sense. Well, you'll get eaten up. You know, if you don't fight this thing, if you don't make a comeback to what they said, you know, or if you don't, you don't get back at them, you're weak and they'll just run all over you. But what we're looking at, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's different. And God's ways are different than, than our ways. And so this is what he's calling us to. Um, so let's look at Romans twelve fourteen through 20. He says, so this is that different way of thinking that he's saying that we should be in the world. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Mourn with those that mourn. Live in harmony with one another. This is what he's calling us to. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Why is that? Is that because we just say, well, evil's okay? Who's going to take care of evil? <laughs> yeah, he says vengeance is mine. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen to those. It's, it's, that's why we pray for them. Because it's a, it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, and this is what will happen. So he says, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. In other words, don't just say, well, I don't care what anybody thinks. Uh, you know, I don't care about them. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with who? Just your friends. So he says, uh, as far as it, if it is possible, you know, obviously we can't live at peace with everyone. But he says, you sure need to be trying, right? Okay. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave uh, leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord, and he will big time. And we we know that as a Christian, how he repays. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. There's several interpretations for that, but the question is, is going to get his attention? No matter how you want to translate that, it's going to get his attention when you do good. And uh, then he ends it with, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so this is God's way of handling things, is uh, not fighting fire with fire, fighting fire with water. They've proven that works a lot better. Um, Joseph is a great example of this. Um, you know, if you look at his life and all the evil things that happened to him from his brothers and then the consequences of that, he's thrown into slavery and sold and bought and, and uh, you know, lied about and spent all these years in jail and all these things. And you don't really hear him 
fighting fire with fire, do you? And, uh, you know, at the very end, obviously, God exalted him to the highest place, you know, in Egypt. Uh, the only one above him was, uh, was Pharaoh. And uh, because I think that he began, that Joseph understood more of the way that God works. And uh, he said, his brother said, well, why aren't you, you know, uh, paying us back, you know, for the things that we did to you? Because they were really, we know they're really bad. And he said, uh, you know, he said, the things that you did, you meant for evil. But he said, God meant it for good to save many people. And that's strange. That's not the way that we think, is it? This evil stuff, you know, that, that they did. How's God going to work that for good? Um, it's, uh, but Joseph uh, didn't fight it, and therefore God exalted him. And I, but I believe Joseph was a man of faith as well. Um, so uh, overcoming evil with good. How about overcoming ourselves um, so that we're not so uh, <laughs> uh, wrapped up in this, so that we're more wise as how we handle things in our lives and that how we can live in the world in a way that glorifies God. James one nineteen through 20 says, My dear brothers, uh, take, think, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Well, turn off the TV if you don't want to hear any of this. <laughs> because this is the way that the world is, is operating. Uh, not, uh, not slow to speak and quick to listen. I think it's just more or less the opposite of that. Angry. But it says that doesn't work the righteousness of God. That doesn't promote the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay, uh, James 4.11 says, Brothers, do not slander one another. Now, we've never heard that in this election. But, you know, sometimes that happens, you know, that people slander one another. And uh, so, uh, but it says, Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. So when we're slandering people, I was wondering, how does that mean that we're speaking against the law? Well, the law said not to slander one another, okay, in the law. So when you slander someone, you're speaking against the law, against what it says. You're going against that, and you're saying, no, I know better, and I know what they did, and I know who they are, and I know what they're like, and by golly, that's what they are. And he says, uh, so uh, when you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment of it because the law says not to slander. Because who's the judge? God. And who's going to take care of it? God. He'll take care of it. You know, uh, there's nobody. It says, uh, be not deceived. Uh, God is not, uh, is mocked. You know, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So um, we don't have to take care of that. God will, God will take care of that. And, uh, you can be sure of that. It might not be tomorrow, but it will happen. And Second uh, uh, Timothy 2.24. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. I know none of us quarrel, but, you know, he's just reminding us, you know, that uh, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. 
That means fight among each other. Uh, instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. So how are we supposed to walk in this world, you know, uh, with all this stuff going on? He says, don't quarrel. Don't quarrel. Am I pronouncing that right? It's like squirrel. Quarrel. <laughs> quarrel. It's got an A in it. Okay. Don't quarrel. Q-U-A. From Oklahoma. <laughs> we don't talk like that. Uh, another scripture is, is a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, uh, we're not seeing that a whole lot these days. But uh, that God says, that's the way it works. You know, that's the, that's the way you fight fire. It's with water, not, not fire. Soft answer turns away wrath. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, in your anger, do not sin. Okay, so in other words, we're going to get angry, right? I mean, we all get angry. They said, but don't sin. Okay. Let not the sun go down while you're still angry. You may have some deep-seated anger. Uh, I mean, it may be people. It may be systems. It may be politics. You may have some deep-seated anger about things, about things that are happening. But Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In another place, he says, keep short accounts. You know, if you let these things linger, there's a result to that that we all suffer from, ourselves and other people. And it says, because um, when we do that, it gives the devil a place to get a hold of us. When you're angry and you don't let go of it, that's a handle for him to hold on to. And he'll get a hold of that. And he'll work you around pretty good. And then he'll start letting you or having you affect other people with your anger. And uh, and then it will uh, cause big problems. So uh, just think about that when you go to bed. You know, you want to give, give the devil a foothold in your life or not? It, you need to, it's a choice that we have to make. We have to make a choice. And uh, it's not really easy, but... Um, that's what he says. Hebrews twelve five says, See that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So we're talking about being, being wise as serpents. In other words, understanding God's ways and how he wants us to live in this world today that seems maybe to be contrary to the, thing, the way that we think it should be. And uh, he says, don't, uh, don't get bitter. Uh, because what happens, what does bitter do, bitterness do? Causes trouble and does what? Defiles you. In other words, we think sometimes the things that defile us kind of slip up on us, you know. They were telling Jesus, you know, well, you know, you shouldn't eat this stuff and you shouldn't do this stuff. And Jesus said, well, that's not what defiles you. <laughs> you know, what defiles you is what comes out of here. You know, if you have bitterness in your heart, if you have anger, resentment, these sorts, these are the things that defile you. And they're also the things that give the devil a foothold in your life. And that's why he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't, don't get it right, you know. At least try. You know, I may not, may not be able to do it perfectly, but just realize 
that the consequence of that is not good for you and for other people as well. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the, as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You know, the water's got the power to put out the fire, right? But the fire fire doesn't put out fire. It just just makes it worse. So these weapons do have divine power to demolish strongholds. They're going to take care of business, but not necessarily your way, but God's way. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So when we're, how should we then live in the world? Well, it's not just about the world. It's about up here in your head is how we should live. Because he says we need to take captive every thought. And these thoughts include things like, like anger, bitterness, jealousy, envy, uh, these sorts of things. We need to take those things captive. This is, this is what he, he's in, in the same paragraph talking about waging war, but in a different way. And so we've got to, if you're thinking about this person in a certain way, and every time you think of them, you have these sort of really bad thoughts. You know, Paul said, evaluate yourself soberly and say, hey, wait a minute, what are you doing here? You know, you haven't taken that thought captive, have you, to the obedience of Christ, you know, and you haven't prayed for them, you know, and you haven't haven't even tried to forgive them or make things right or whatever. And so uh, this is this is really kind of our conscience, you know, speaking, is that um, uh, we need to take these thoughts when they start kind of running amok. You know, we need to take these thoughts and say, wait a minute, let's pull that thing in. I don't want to think that way about that person. It's not right. I want to pray for that person and pray for them. And this is how we wage war. That's what he says. This is how we do it. You might say, well, that's just personal. No, it's not. It's talking about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is where? It's in you. (laughs) You know, so we fight inside and we fight without both. So, okay, that's talking about just some things about being wise now we're going to talk about being harmless as doves or innocent as doves. And the first subject is uh, uh, being peacemakers, okay, rather than people that stir things up and make things worse. Okay, uh, Matthew 5, 9 said, blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, i got plenty of time, man. <laughs> he said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called the sons of God. Well, I thought I was already a son of God because I was born again. Well, you're a baby. <laughs> you know, uh, there's some maturing to do. He said, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the sons of God. So this may mean more than just a baby son. Um, Jesus was called the Prince of Peace, right? And so, how did Jesus overcome evil? With good, right? I mean, in other words, he basically uh, did a very good thing in dying for us. 
although it's not the world's way of conquering uh, the enemy, but that's how he did it. He overcame evil with doing good. If he wouldn't have done that, it would be in a in a mess right now. So, uh, but he made a way. Jesus made a way for us to have peace with God. He's the Prince of Peace. So he came to bring peace with us to restore us to God. Because were we friends with God before we came to Jesus? It says not really. Uh, it says no man does good, not not one. But, you know, he wants us to be his friends, right? And so Jesus came to make a way to bring us together rather than to cause greater division and to condemn us. And he said, I didn't come to condemn the world. They thought that he'd, he'd act that way. But he said, no, I came to save the world. So there, that's his ways are, are higher than our ways. They're different than our ways. So <clears throat> um, Matthew 5.43 says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. So in other words, there's obviously something we've got to come into to be called a son. And I think that's in the fullest sense of a son to the maturity. Um, he causes that because God causes the son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. And uh, I looked up the meaning of perfect, and that word means mature. So what he's saying is that in order to be a mature Christian, a mature son of God, we need to be a peacemaker. And we need to actually have to love our enemies, right? Because that's who we need to make peace with, right? And that's who needs to have peace with God. So this is the whole concept that um, uh, as long as we're fighting people and we have bad thoughts and we're angry and we're doing all these things is that we're not promoting peace and restoration for people we're, we're, we're kind of promoting division really and so uh, he wants us to mature in that and to be able to pray for people that use us and and our enemies the people that we don't like this sort of thing because basically we were in that position once ourselves right when we didn't know God and we were on the way to destruction and somebody came for us and so it's not an easy thing to do, but, you know, it takes, if you just think about how much maturity it took for Jesus to accept the cross. I mean, I'm not there. I mean, are you? <laughs> you know, we have growing. It says we're going to grow and, and come into the fullness of Christ, though, you know, in time as we uh, listen to him. Um John three sixteen for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God even was willing to give and to love his enemies in giving the thing that was the most precious uh, to him for us. And then Jesus, in turn, gave his own life. He said, I lay it down. No, nobody takes it from me. And so this is the nature of God is to 
forgive and and restore rather than rather than to hate and condemn and that's what Jesus said he came to do so uh, how can we do that even more being you know wise as serpents but yet harmless as doves we're not hurting people we're helping people right so uh, so another thing is to do good to all men in Galatians 6:10 it says therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all people who does that include <laughs> yeah it, all is all right like they say let your alls be all or you know that's what preachers say right <laughs> so let do good to all people so well why are you doing that for those people bible says do good to all people right okay um but especially those that belong to the family of believers. So don't just be out there doing good for everybody else and neglect your own family, right? Same could go for for anybody that's doing God's work. And then you forget about the church. Of course, you can forget about your own personal family too. You know, so he brings that in, that it's got to be balanced. Uh, good works actually can glorify God, Matthew 5.14. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who's in heaven. You know, that might have something to do with that enemy that got the coals poured on his head. (laughs) You know, he saw that you helped him and uh, one interpretation of that is, is is a good thing. The coals, it was a thing that they did. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, when people see you do good deeds, especially towards them, does that soften their heart towards God? I mean, that's I think that's what this saying here. They may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven because it, it brings a revelation that there is good in the world and that there's a God. That's good, whether you say it or not. When you do something good, especially to someone that does not deserve it, uh, it makes an impression. And this is the way that he says that he wants us to live in the world. The Lord is good to all. Psalm 145, 8 and 9, the Lord's gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. Sometimes we forget that that God cares about everyone and uh, not just not just us Christians he care, cares about everyone and uh, so just about to the end here so think on the good things in life i think God wants us he's saying taking every thought captive part of the thing is not just pulling down those thoughts but substituting things for those thoughts and this is what he says in Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Okay, so sometimes you may not be able to kind of get those thoughts out of your head or the doldrums or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, we can substitute something else in there. Another scripture comes to mind is, Take up the garment of praise 
for the spirit of heaviness, right? So you substitute, you know, your thought, one thought for another, and it puts that other one down. It's kind of like the light dispelling the darkness. It's kind of about overcoming evil with good. So it's not that you always just wrestle the evil down, but you do good, and that kind of takes care of it by its own power. It says because we have divine power to overcome these things. And that's where the divine power comes in when you do this. And it's not really just you trying to wrestle with evil, but you're, I pronounced that wrong too. It's wrestle, right? Not wrestle. Okay. <laughs> Becky always corrects me on that. So um, it's not just you wrestling. It's, it's doing the things that God asks you to do. And he does the wrestling for you as you, as you begin to do those things. His strength is made perfect in that. So, Whatever you have learned and received or heard and seen in me, do. Put them into practice. I said, put, do it. Do it. Don't just, don't just say, that's good. Do it. And the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that really what, you know, people say, what do you want in life? Well, some people say, well, I just want to be happy. Well, really, you know, the greatest thing is to have peace in your life. You know, when you've got peace, it's like, wow, what else is there? I mean, it's great. <laughs> You know, it's a great thing. So, um, last scripture, just kind of wrap it up with this. I think this kind of summarizes what we're looking at. Micah 6, verse 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? In other words, how should we then live in this, in this world? He says, to act justly. And I substitute the word wisely because we're supposed to be wise, right? Act justly, which means you're wise. Love mercy, which is to be a peacemaker, to be like a dove. You know, a uh, dove is a symbol of peace. He said, so love mercy, act justly, love mercy, and be a peacemaker, and walk humbly with your God. And the Bible says, if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he's going to lift you up. He's going to help you, and his divine strength is going to lift you up, and it's not all about you fighting everything. He's going to help you as you humble yourself. And uh, he also says that's a good way to get rid of the devil. <laughs> he says, resist the devil, and, you know, humble yourself first, <laughs> you know, under God, and then resist him, and he'll go, because God's going to, God's going to take care of it for you. So, uh, but that humble part, you know, he says, don't be conceited. It's another part of it. So anyway, um, hopefully that helps a little how we can live in the world today and uh, Jesus way. Amen. Thanks. Well, one, just thank you for the word this morning. Uh, I'm reminded as you were sharing just that we're called to be ambassadors here. Mm -hmm. I, you know, that just as Christ said, you know, my kingdom is not of this world as, his, as, his, as God's children. It's not our kingdom either, right? This is not, this world that we're living in is not our kingdom. So we're to be about our, our father's kingdom. We should be about our father's work. So if we, we, it would be good for us to check our own hearts as we go out throughout this week, this month, this next four years, where, whatever your political persuasion is and say, is, am I about my father's business or am I about this kingdom here? So in those places that it's about, I mean, where we're, 
find ourselves locked into this kingdom, hey, here, God, is a place I need to submit. Here's a place that there's work to be done. So, uh, again, thank you, Steve. And let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Uh, And, Father, we just say, uh, again, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, we are ambassadors here on earth. Father, we are about your kingdom. Father, there are places in our lives that that there is uh, conflict within us. And, Father, that uh, the passions for the things of this world, the kingdoms of this world, they submit to your kingdom, Father. And, that Father, that we would be a people. We would be sons and daughters, ambassadors that represent your kingdom well, Father. And, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity. Father, none have sought you. You have come to us, Father. No one comes except you call. And, Father, as that call has come, we have answered it. And we want to be about your kingdom, your business, Father. So we thank you for it. And, Father, as we walk out these doors, let us uh, answer that call to be salt and light, Father. And, Lord, uh, we just thank you for this day, this week, and uh, for the opportunity to, uh, to take your word and do something with your word, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great week.